Hi everyone, it's Bill Black, the Exit Coach from the Exit Coach Radio Show. You know, one of the biggest questions I get on the show is what exactly goes into a business exit plan and when should I start creating mine? Well, I always tell people that the best time to start was five years ago, but the next best time is now because you never know when you might need it. So we put together a free report that describes what an exit plan is and what you should know. You can get it free by texting exit plan with no spaces to 44222. That's exit plan to 44222. Again, text exit plan to 44222. Welcome to the Exit Coach Radio Show, the show for baby boomer business owners who are looking for cutting-edge information as they plan their 3- to 10-year business succession and exit. Every week, we interview top professional advisors for their best tips, strategies, and precautions so you can be well-planned. And now, here's your host, the Exit Coach, Bill Black. Well, thank you for listening, everyone. I really appreciate you coming uh, on board with us today. Um, We're going to move on to my next guest, Andy Goal. Uh, And uh, Andy is with Urgency Based Selling in Chatham, New Jersey. And uh, Andy is a a Vistage member and speaker. If you know of that group or you're in that group, you're in for a treat. They're excellent speakers in that group. Um, And we're going to talk about exponential sales growth and emotional intoxication through urgency-based selling. Andy, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for joining me today. Well, thank you for having me. My pleasure, my pleasure. Hey, uh, before we get into this, uh, I want to hear about the emotional intoxication. That, that, got, that caught my eye. Uh, before we get into that, Andy, um, let's talk about uh, you and your background and um, how you started uh, urgency-based selling. Sure, sure. So I... Um kind of decided early on I wanted to be an entrepreneur, but it took me a while to get there. I think I made the decision when I was about 21 years old, and I started my first business when I was 30. And it, it, it came out of an opportunity where the, um, the company for whom I worked at the time, I, I worked for them almost five years, was moving their uh, corporate headquarters from New Jersey to Atlanta, where the, most of their plants, all the plants and the uh, the operations people were in the south. I was offered an opportunity to move to continue what I was doing. I was the pricing and planning manager. It was a container company, and I think there were about 22 product lines. And I had been doing that for about five years. But in the last two years, I had been selling a novelty item that none of the other salespeople were selling because it it didn't fit in. Everybody else was selling commercial packaging, and this was a decorative tin package. So I proposed to the company that I go out on my own as a commissioned sales agent, uh, no longer do the the pricing and planning, but just start, in effect, a sales agency on a commission. And so I did that. That was my first uh, business I started in 1984. And it took me a while uh, uh, to get it going. One of the talks I do for Vistage is exponential sales growth even in declining markets, and it came out of Mm -hmm. my personal experience. So that's what what ultimately became urgency-based selling came from a very selling in a very difficult market where I was selling these uh, decorative tins in what was a declining market against entrenched competition, where the competition's product was better than mine, and that's that's really how this started. So the experience uh, I got it, from doing that. It's a great story, um, you know. Um, I I also started out really my adult 
first adult career was all, was all commission. And let me tell you, there is urgency when it's coming around to the end of the month <laughs> and you 100%. haven't sold anything. There's always urgency built in. And it's hard to it's hard to teach that these days to a lot of people because they might have uh, you know, let's face it. A lot of business owners I talk to say, "My my top salespeople used to used to sell like crazy. Now they're comfortable, and they don't have that same urgency." So I'm I'm really interested in hearing more about this. What kind of clients do you get in and uh, work with? What what kind of clients do you help? Well, there's there's uh, no no on the surface no rhyme or reason. Most sales mm-hmm. most companies have 5 to 20 sales people. They're not in any one particular industry. I've had over 100 clients since I started doing this in 1993. Um I would say the one dominant theme is that the ownership or the leadership uh, is not happy with what's going on. They feel that they should be selling more, earning more profit and and they're opened uh, to a change that could actually be a radical change in how they do things in selling. So the typical owner is um, you know, a high D, if you think of the disc profile, uh, mm-hmm. very strong, mm-hmm. a risk taker, and at the same time a process-driven person whose heart is aching because uh, there's not enough process on the business development side. That would be a um, a typical client. Although I do have clients who just want me to work on better developing existing relationships, uh, you know, uh, building the relationship so from we're, we're we're getting additional profitable sales from existing clients. But but most clients really want to develop uh, new business. They want to develop new business. Are are they as I mentioned earlier, kind of seeing the the uh, what used to be a. a uh, a, a hot fire kind of fade out in some of their um, long-time salespeople because they're comfortable and they feel like they, they might have the formula wrong? Oh, for sure. And usually there's an accompanying uh, phenomena, which is that it's harder than it used to be, by which I mean mm-hmm. there's more competition, the fundamentals have changed, and what used to work is no longer working, although they're pretty good at retaining their existing customers Usually not so good at bringing in new customers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. And um, you have something I think, or I, I see it in your your write up here. What is a do or die approach, or why? Excuse me, is a do or die approach to selling important? Why Why is it important to have urgency baked into a sales uh, uh, methodology? Well. I look at it from this perspective. Business development has risk and uncertainty generally associated with it. We don't know what the outcome is going to be. Uh, the way if if we manufacture a product or service or prepare a service according to a formula, we usually get the outcome uh, that's expected with a high level of reliability. In selling, there's a high level of uncertainty. And so the personal effort of the salesperson generally is key. And I distinguish between best efforts and do or die. Best efforts means you try your very best. Mom and Dad taught me when I was a teenager, you know, if you try your best, try some new things, give it a try, we're happy. And I think that's pretty common in our culture. Do or die means you're going to, 
you're going to marry your mind, your body, your soul. You're going to be totally committed to an objective, and you're going to go at it till you achieve it. That's do or die. And I had a rude awakening when I started my first business, and I found that best efforts will lead to bankruptcy very quickly. Hmm. And so entrepreneurs, mm-hmm. particularly entrepreneurs who have started their own business, I think they know this. The problem is that the business owner, the entrepreneur, is kind of like a shield with his or her body. They shield employees from the harshness of the marketplace. And so very often employees don't have to work on a do-or-die basis. But if you're going to hold salespeople accountable, they have to work on a do-or-die basis. And that operates on several levels. First of all, they have to pay for themselves. You know, businesses mm-hmm. are money-making enterprises. You could have a ramp-up period. There could be a long selling cycle. But the ultimate objective is it has to make sense to have a salesperson there. So one element of do or die is everybody has to pay for themselves. When you start to change, usually there's another way to implement a do or die. An example. One of the major untapped opportunities, one of the greatest selling assets of any company is their delighted customers. And the reason I say it's a great selling asset is because they can make introductions. They could advocate for us. And I think you could drive a Mack truck through the gap that exists between the potential and what's achieved in terms of getting the optimal number of introductions. To, To illustrate with a story. I'm working with a uh, a print and communications company does 35 million in sales. Half of their sales goes to Johnson and Johnson. There's one person, let's call her Susan, who's been covering Johnson and Johnson for over 20 years. We have a 75 week program and we're at the point where it's time to ask for an introduction. And uh so one week there's a seminar with instruction and the next week it's about 15 salespeople. We have one-to-ones with each salesperson. So we're sitting down with Susan, and we get to the appropriate point of the conversation and say, Susan, how'd it go last week? Did you get any introductions? She says, no, didn't get any. And uh, we say, okay, you know, it's first week. Uh, how many people did you ask? Nobody. Okay. Um, <laughs> did you know we all had a pro- you know, we all had the assignment, everybody on the team, to be- bring in an introduction? Yep, I knew it. So what happened, Susan? says, Andy, you don't understand. When I was hired 20 years ago, my job was to sit at the desk, wait for the phone to ring. When Johnson & Johnson calls me, I shoot over there, yeah. find out what they need, take care of it, and I come back to my desk, and I wait for the phone to ring. I said, mm-hmm. I got it, Susan, but you've got to realize you're blocking the superhighway to growth. You're the only person calling on Johnson & Johnson. We're selling three out of 80 divisions. If you don't ask for introductions, nobody will. So you've got to make a decision. Mm-hmm. It's okay for you to not ask for introductions, but it's not okay to block the superhighway to growth. So you have to decide. We could move you into another position, which, by the way, would have been a one-third pay cut, or you have to ask for introductions. Believe it or not, two weeks later, she had an introduction. She wanted to keep her job. Now, the way do or die applies here is, A company sets a program of so many introductions per period of time. Let's say one a month. Every salesperson is going to bring in one introduction a month. And we do coaching. 
And I know that you had asked, can I give a tip? So let me give you a quick tip. Maybe you'd get to it later, but I can integrate it with this story. How do you ask for an introduction? So you go for the magic moment of access. What's the magic moment of access? It's when you've taken care of a prospect's needs or client's needs, and you're checking in with them to see if they're satisfied. Most salespeople will look at that as a project management moment. Okay, they're happy. Let me call the next person. But that's the magic moment of access. Why? Because the, 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 the customer is delighted with you and you have access. All too often, we can only get access when they need us. And so here's a simple script. I might say to you, hey, are you delighted with what we've done here, Bill? And you say, yeah. And I'd say, great. Would you be willing to introduce me? to other people who might have the needs. And, and Bill, you say, sure, I'll be glad to do it because you don't know what's coming next. You know, I, you think I'm going to say to you, hey, do you know anybody? And you'll say no, and you're off the hook. But you and I are LinkedIn on LinkedIn, and I've gone through all your uh, connections, and there are three people I want to meet. So I come prepared. I come prepared to the discussion saying, so, Bill, you say you're willing to introduce me. I'm just wondering, I'm trying to meet uh, you know, Joanne at ABC Company, uh, do you know her well enough to introduce me? And if you don't go, I got others, you know, that I've already identified. So that's a typical script that we teach as to how do you ask. It requires you to link in and do research in advance, right? Right, so right, as opposed to the, say who, do you, who do you object. know, which which leads nowhere, right? It goes nowhere. I got to come in, I got to come in loaded for bear, so anyway, that's that's a typical script that we'll teach that might be helpful to your audience if they're not using it. Now, the way you apply it on a do-or-die basis is I say, okay, let's say I'm doing a one-to-one with you, and it's the end of the first month, and I ask you, Bill, how did it go? And you say, I didn't get any this month. The key question is, how many do you owe me in month two? You didn't get one in, mm. one, in month one, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. the typical salesperson would say, well, boss, I'm going to try twice as hard in month two. That's a best efforts basis. Now, you can collect 12 zeros that way because the salesperson made his or her very best effort. But if you don't get mm-hmm. one in month one, you need two in month two, three in month three. That's do or die. Mm-hmm. That's taking mm-hmm. do or die, which many entrepreneurs experienced in um, forming their business when it really was do or die, and it's, it's bringing it to a level that's meaningful to the sales team. You do the same thing with testimonial letters. We have a whole series of KPIs, key performance indicators, that are forward-looking that we develop. Uh, these are two of them, introductions per month. Um, another one would be in, uh, testimonials. Another one is escalations. Uh, escalation. If you go back to the same person three times and it's going nowhere, it could be modified, but we have a three strikes in your out policy. In other words, if I've made three sales calls on you, Bill, one month after another, I left enough time in between and I put a really material difference on the table so that you should want to go forward and you're just like not responding, I'm going to escalate. Escalation means I'm going to, I'm going to rattle your cage with a stronger message or I'm going to go around you. I'm going to go to a higher authority if it exists, if I'm not dealing with the CEO. So that's another mm-hmm. KPI. Are you effective at escalating? So those are some examples of very KPIs good. that are forward-looking and where you can take a do-or-die approach. Does that help? Yeah, very helpful and very interesting. And uh, and, and most uh, 
you know, what's most interesting about that, I think, is you, you gave us a story about someone who came in in a certain culture and things have changed around that person and how how to deal with that. And I think that's what a lot of our listeners are dealing with as well as um, as well as wondering, do the motivation tactics of yesterday still work today? And I, I think of the Glen Gary, Glen Ross, you know, first first prize is a Cadillac, the second prize is steak knives, third place is you're fired approach. Right, right, does, right, right. <laughs> you know, it makes these days does do the tactics that work yesterday work today? Well, um, fascinating question, and in my mind, it ties into emotional intoxication which you mentioned at the outset, and I hope I'm not jumping the gun here, but... Uh, Perfect timing. The core, the core for effective selling to me is moral certainty. Moral certainty. You have to know that what... You have to believe deep in your heart that what you're doing is good. If you do, you can, you can, you could drive a crusade around that. So, so to, in my mind... We're in the crusade business. I'm in the crusade business. I help companies launch crusades or enhance crusades for their product or service. But you can't do that if you don't believe powerfully in what you're doing, that which, by which I mean that you, you have a compelling, bold vision that could really transform people's lives in a positive way. So, you know, the core for motivation to me is 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 that I'm going to give you a fantastic crusade to which you can devote yourself. This is something you could believe in, and that's pretty abstract. So I want to offer you uh, and your listeners a metaphor. I want you to envision in your mind's, uh, mind's eye a prospect. And this prospect is standing on a peak on a mountain. And this prospect is looking down and, it, and saying to him or herself, wow, I've, pretty, I've come pretty far in life. I'm on this mountain. And we want to sell to this um, prospect because they're an accomplished individual. They have money. They have needs. But this prospect, he or she is so enamored with looking down, they're not noticing that there's a higher mountain right behind them. And what drives the crusade, in my mind, is the simple act of helping a prospect who is looking down, helping them look up. And notice a potential, an undiscovered country, as it were. That's what drives the crusade. That's why salespeople, in my view, can believe strongly, should believe strongly, and can devote themselves to it. In doing so, I think you got uh, two things at work that are more powerful than compensation or monetary compensation. You know, this is psychic compensation. You have respect and self-respect. So mm-hmm. self-respect comes from uh, committing yourself to a worthy cause. And I don't mean altruism here. I mean the cause, although it could be, I mean the cause of improving the welfare materially of your prospect. That's a worthy cause. That's worthy of a crusade. That gets you, res- uh, that gets you self-respect. Now, the respect comes from selling it properly and harvesting what I call PIKs, payments in kind. And I use as reference material here um, Aristotle's Nicomachean Ethics. Aristotle talks about the great souled person um, who is really respected in his or her community. And if you have a powerful selling method, which harvests what I call PIKs, payments in kind, the salesperson garners respect from this. 
Now, what is a payment in kind? It's a behavior done by a, a prospect to show that he or she is committed to the process, a participant, uh, not a spectator. So what might be an example? We make a sales call. It's a great sales call. Salesperson comes back uh, and says, fantastic call. The owner says, what makes you say that? They love me. Now, by itself, that's probably a zero. Next salesperson comes back, same thing, fantastic call. Why do you say that, says the owner? They filled out a credit application, PIK. The buyer introduced me to the CEO, putting political capital at risk, PIK, payment in kind. Uh, the buyer checked a reference, put skin in the game, PIK. Salespeople are very sensitive and understand when the prospect is treating them fairly. So that gets you respect. If you could design an environment, and this is a CEO challenge from my perspective, if you could design a, 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 an environment that generates respect and self-respect from the, for the salesperson, uh, they're well on the way to emotional intoxication, and you have a highly motivated individual. So I kind of, kind of morph towards Andy, great, emotional great intoxication. Uh, you, you, I can tell why you're such a successful speaker uh, in the Vistage Group, and and I can tell that you're doing exactly what you should be doing. Uh, <laughs> fantastic um, conviction and great stories, uh, and terrific information. Now, uh, listeners, you need to go to urgencybasedselling.net give that to you again urgencybasedselling.net and check out uh, Urgency Based Selling and Andy Goal and get in touch with him find out what you can do to create this uh, this emotionally charged this emotional intoxication with your people I can tell just by talking with Andy, he's given me, given me some great ideas for my business and how I can uh, talk to my clients about what you do, Andy. So I want to thank you. We just scratched the surface today. Unfortunately, we're out of time today, but I want to have you back on so we can dig deeper into this. I think it'll be great information for our listeners. Well, thanks for the opportunity. It was a pleasure to be with you and your audience. Thank you for listening to Exit Coach Radio.